Hi, this is Jim Quick, and I have a quick update for you. I'm proud to announce my very first book, Limitless, Upgrade Your Brain, Learn Anything Faster, and Unlock Your Exceptional Life. This book is not only based on the latest neuroscience, it is field tested for over 28 years of working with some of the most amazing minds on our planet. Just go to LimitlessBook.com and enjoy this book. Welcome to Quick Brain, bite-sized brain hacks for busy people who want to learn faster and achieve more. I'm your coach, Jim Quick. Free your mind. Let's imagine if we could access 100% of our brain's capacity. I wasn't high, wasn't wired, just clear. I knew what I needed to do and how to do it. I know Kung Fu. Show me. Welcome back, Quick Brain. Your question for today, how do you decode greatness? How do you decode genius and have this conversation? We're really excited to bring on award-winning social psychologist and author of the brand new book, Decoding Greatness, Ron Friedman. Welcome to the show, Ron. Thank you, Jim. Pleasure to be here. Hey, before we started to record, you know, you and I were kind of geeking out over the science of, uh, of learning faster um, whether it's subject or skills. And in this conversation, I want to talk about this uh, game-changing approach to mastering new skills and really succeeding faster. You know, a lot of people, they, you know, you hear about talent, you hear about uh, determination, you hear about the power of practice. You know, I, I enjoyed your book because it was um, it was about systems, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm a kind of closet systems guy. Let, let's talk about about talent and practice and how it relates, uh, you know, in your research to this discovery of reverse engineering. Yeah. So when I started doing the research for Decoding Greatness, what I discovered is that the stories we've been told about success are wrong. There are two main stories we've all heard throughout our lives. The first story is the story of talent. This is the idea that we all have certain inner strengths and that the key to finding your greatness is simply finding a field that allows those strengths to shine. The second story is the Malcolm Gladwell story, the story of 10,000 hours, practice, practice, practice. If you have the discipline and the right practice regimen, eventually you'll succeed. But in knowledge work, there's a third path. And that third path is one that has gone under the radar, yet it is the path that is stunningly common for inventors and entrepreneurs and artists. And that is reverse engineering. And reverse engineering simply means finding extraordinary examples, breaking them down, figuring out why they work, and then applying that insight to creating something completely new. So you're going out of your way to find people. And so everyone who's listening to this, they can maybe think about something extraordinary, uh, an extraordinary role model, if you will, or something that they want to learn. And you're saying that finding people who have done extraordinary things and then learning from them to fast track your, your success. Yeah, and it's not something that requires a conversation with this master, right? So it could be uh, an example of a website. It could be a well-written email. It could be something more complex like a recipe. And what I talk about in, in Decoding Greatness is all of the ways in which reverse engineering is done. And it is it's re remarkable how common this happens across industries. So just to give you a few examples, photographers, when they look at a photo, they don't look at an object, which is what I would do as a novice photographer. They look at the reflections in 
the person's eyes to identify where the light source was placed to create that photograph. They'll also look at the shadows, which provides additional clues. Uh, sh chefs will often order dishes to go and then spread intricate sauces all across a white plate to identify what the ingredients were. Uh, writers, I don't know about you, Jim, but I do this. When I get a book, I'll go right to the endnote section at the back of the book to figure out what were the sources that went into creating this and see if I can guess what the author is going to say in the book. And so there are all, all of these strategies. What they, what they teach us is that by working backward and figuring out and looking for clues on how an object was created, we can elevate our skills to, to, to match the performance level of others by just understanding a little bit better about how they went about creating it. Hmm. Yeah, we, we have this phrase that we use in the book and our show that genius leaves clues and greatness leaves clues. How would you define uh, reverse engineering for, for people who are listening? It's all about identifying winning products or winning executions and then working backwards to figure out how they were created and more importantly, how they can be recreated. So uh, a fascinating example I give in the book is the story of Kurt Vonnegut. And Kurt Vonnegut, famous writer, everyone's heard of him. What they don't realize is that Kurt Vonnegut, part of what made him so successful is that he would reverse engineer popular stories. And here's how he did it. He would map out on a graph the protagonist's fortunes over time. And so when he did that, I'll give you an example of how he did it, is Cinderella. So at the beginning of Cinderella, things are going pretty badly for Cinderella. So she's like low on the on the graph. Uh, but then as the story proceeds, right, she's being abused by her stepmother. Then she goes to the ball. Things are looking up. Uh, she leaves the ball. Midnight strikes. Back to square one. Back down. And then uh, meets uh, Prince Charming, is rescued happily ever after, and back up. So there's you're able to see what's happening, what's the emotional trajectory of the story by looking at what's happening to the protagonist. Now, when you do the same thing for the story of Annie, what you find is it's the same story with different characters. The beginning of the story, Annie's an orphan, then she gets rescued by Daddy Warbucks. She gets kidnapped by people claiming to be her parents and once again goes back to Daddy Warbucks, lives happily ever after. And so Vonnegut did this to uncover what was happening in stories. And what he what he identified was that there were basically six common stories that were being retold again and again and again. And when you do this exercise yourself, what you realize is when you're for a book like Harry Potter, right? So Harry Potter, what's happening there? So uh, we, we, we can't help but be transfixed by this incredible character, the amazing settings, and uh, all of these great storylines. But when you step back, and you reverse engineer it, what you notice is, wait a second, this isn't the first time I've read a story about an orphan who lives with his aunt and uncle, who's rescued, who's then discovers superpowers and then fights a villain. There's another story just like it, and it's called Star Wars. And you don't realize that until you reverse engineer these stories. I love that. And so there are these hidden patterns, you know, as, as you mentioned, and you, whether it happens to be cuisine, whether it happens to be photography, whether it happens to be uh, writing, uh, another example used in the in the book was a friend of ours, uh, Sir Ken Robinson, mm. who endorsed uh, who endorsed who's endorsed our, our work in Limitless. And so, talk about he has the 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 world's most popular TED Talk. What did right. you discover so, there? And, and that that's the that's the incredible power of reverse engineering. When you know how to do this correctly, you can uncover what makes something work, even if you've never given a TED Talk before. And so that's what I did in in looking at Sir Ken Robinson's talk. And so I analyzed it by looking at what he was doing in terms of quantifying some of the features. So what is unique about his TED Talk? 
compared to the average TED Talk. And what you find is that over the course of 18 minutes, he gives you a grand total of one persuasive fact. Now that's really interesting because if I were to sit down and write a TED Talk, I would imagine I need to load them up with persuasive uh, uh, arguments in order to convince you of my point. That's not what he does. What does he do is he does a ton of storytelling and he does a lot of, he, of joking around. He, he actually is performing like a stand-up comic. If you analyze his work, it looks like he's, he's delivering up to 40 jokes in an 18-minute talk. So that tells you a couple of things. One is it, it reveals the underlying pattern by what makes it successful that you wouldn't have necessarily picked up on had you listened, but it also allows you to create a template by looking at his work, comparing it to the average TED Talk, and then identifying the patterns that make it unique. You can templatize his work by looking at the emotional trajectory that tells you, okay, I need to tell a positive story at the beginning, a negative story later on, et cetera. Now, I'm not suggesting that copying his formula would necessarily work for you because in his case, he happens to have the academic cachet where he can pull off 18 minutes without only delivering one persuasive talk. But what it does tell you is that reverse engineering the right example for you and then combining it perhaps with elements from other people's talks, now that gives you a roadmap for succeeding that is far faster than if you just faced a blank page. And, and that's one of the things I wanted to address because some people who are listening or watching this right now, and I encourage people if they're just listening to it to watch it on YouTube you know, as well, is that sometimes some people might think that this if they're copying somebody, their work might be somehow perceived as unoriginal. Mm -hmm. um, can you address that? Absolutely. And uh, this is so fascinating because one of the things I looked at in, in Decoding Greatness is what happens when people copy. And there's research out of the University of Tokyo that tells us that, in fact, copying will make you more original. Now that's more really creative, counterintuitive. More creative, actually, more creative. Correct, a, a cre creative and original. So both of those things. So so just to th that sounds really counterintuitive, right? So people are listening to this and like, wait a second, how to isn't copying the opposite of being creative and original? Well, no, it's not, and here's why. So in this study, they invited amateur artists into the lab. They divided them into two groups. The first group was asked to create original art for three days in a row. The second group was asked to create original art. On the second day, they were asked to pause and then copy the work of an established artist. And then on day three, they were asked to resume creating original art. Now, what was the dependent measure? They brought in actual artists, professional artists, and had them evaluate the work of the third day for both groups. And what they found was that the group that had paused to copy was actually more creative. And what's fascinating is they weren't just creative by mimicking the art that they had copied on day two, they went off in completely new directions. Now, the big question here is why did copying make them more original? And it's because the practice of slowing down and then comparing your initial instincts against the decisions of a master opens your eyes to completely new opportunities that you hadn't been considering before in your own work. And so we're not suggesting, hey, let's go take Ken Robinson's talk and just recreate his talk for you. What we're saying is take a second, apply his work, see what happens, and then go create your TED Talk. And what you'll find is you'll be way more creative and struggle a lot less than if you had just tried to do it yourself. Mm. And you could take the best elements. You know, people often ask, you know, after for me, for example, if they want a role model or reverse engineer our Barnes of results, whether it's a, an area of reading, um, memory improvement, um, 
the, the, the last and on interviews, I'll say that, you know, part of it came from reading and research, uh, you know, and others, it came through role modeling, reverse engineering, if you will. So what would, what would you recommend? Let's say somebody's listening and they want to get started. They have some, they want to achieve a certain goal and they want to fast track it. And, uh, maybe they get set aside uh, this story about, about talent, about it just takes purely hard work. Um, because I was to look at this as working, you know, certainly smarter, where would, where would they start if they wanted to, to reverse engineer, let's say something I teach or something, anybody. Yeah. Perfect example. So let's say you want to reverse engineer Jim Quick's podcast, right? (laughs) So the first step to reverse engineering anything is to become a collector. Here's what I mean by that. When we think about collections, we think about physical objects. We think about stamps or wine or shoes. Uh, but that definition is far too narrow. When you talk to copywriters, they collect headlines. When you talk to designers, they collect logos. Mm. I'm a writer. I collect words. So words that move me on the page, I will circle them and they will go on a Google Doc. And I have, I'll collect openings that I think are really powerful, conclusions that really get you motivated, transitions between story and study, all those. I've got a collection of everything. I, I'm not ashamed of it. Every writer does this. And if a good writer does this. Do you have a, do you have a uh, before you go on, this is interesting yeah. to me, but how do you organize that for yourself? Do you have a system? Yeah. So uh, again, so I'm actually proudly uh, uh, anti-app on this stuff. Like I feel like people way overcomplicate things. They waste so much time trying to find the right app. And then after a week of having learned it, they realize it's not for them. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm very happy with Google, Google Docs. And I have got a spreadsheet that I hyperlink to other Google Docs. That's the key is you want to have a central location that connects to other locations. And so for me, I will uh, I will have one document where it's just unsorted, just a place for me to dump it and move on to the next thing. And then every once in a while, I will sort the information in the unsorted file in my document into openings, transitions, closings. In terms of how I organize words is I will do, I will create, I create a reverse dictionary. So um, if you think about like, or reverse the thesaurus rather. So mm. a thesaurus is like one word fighting. Another word, I will start off with the dumbest possible word because that's the word I'm thinking about using in my document. And then I'll find other words for this. So for example, um, the word um, very, okay? Jim is very smart. In my reverse thesaurus, I can translate that into Jim is staggeringly smart. Yeah. You see how powerful that was? Staggeringly is way better than very, but I'm not going to think of staggeringly. I'm going to think of very. So you can do that for yourself with anything you're, th- you're trying to create. So collecting is the first step. Having that collection that you can go to, that you can study by comparing what makes this extraordinary against uh, the the ordinary, right? So what's different here? And I, I talk in the book about using spot the difference. Remember spot the difference? As kids, we look at two images, look at the disparities. What's different here? You want to do that with whatever it is you're trying to reverse engineer. You could do it with headlines, logos. You can do it with a presentation deck. If you work within an organization, you're probably creating memos, presentation decks all the time. Collect the ones that really stand out and then compare them to the ones that don't and say, what's different here? So now that helps. That's the second step is differentiating between the ordinary and extraordinary. We could talk about templatizing. We could talk about evolving. Those are all the steps into coding greatness. That's fantastic. I want to highly recommend, and we're going to put all this in the show notes at jimquick.com forward slash notes, um, you know, including 
uh, links to your book, uh, links to uh, uh, Dr. Ken Robinson's talk also on, on creativity. How do people how do people get access to your book? Best place to go is decodinggreatnessbook.com because if you order a book, you'll get a free course on how to restart reverse engineering, which comes free with the book. Mm -hmm. uh, and you can find me online at ronfriedmanphd.com. Perfect. Um, what about social media? Are you active yeah. there as well? Absolutely. So at Ron Friedman on Twitter. And uh, I think it's Ron Friedman writer on Instagram. Fantastic. I encourage everybody to go out there and get the book. Um, support your local bookstores if you're able to also as well. Um, and take a screenshot of this and tag Ron, tag myself so we get to see it. And Ron, what do you want them to put while they while they post this? Maybe they could uh, maybe share something. I believe that when when you teach something, you get you get to learn it twice. You get to learn it better. Is there something you want people to share publicly as they as they share this episode? That's a great question. So I, you know, my hope for this book is that people stop thinking that greatness is for someone else because they weren't mm -hmm. born with the talent or that they don't have the time for ten thousand hours. So I would say stop relying on talent. And practice, start decoding greatness. I love that. I love that so much. So I encourage everyone to go get the book, get your copy of Decoding Greatness, Decode Greatness. And also, here's the thing. Um, I, I want everybody to, to, to share this, to be able to post about it. And Ron, I would love to have you back to actually talk about practice. And so we can go deeper in this subject because there are a lot of myths around this, this the act of, of, of going out there and, and doing something repetitively. And so we're going to have Ron back on the show. Make, you, make sure you subscribe on iTunes, on Spotify, uh, on, our, on our YouTube channel also as well. And uh, Ron, thank you again for being on our show. My pleasure, Jim. Thank you. Want to double your brain speed and memory power? If you'd like to learn rapidly and get ahead faster, I'd like to give you my brand new Quick Brain Accelerator program. You will discover exactly what I teach my clients to learn, read, and remember anything in half the time. There is no charge. It's my gift to you for being one of our subscribers. That's kwikbrain.com. Growing up struggling with learning challenges from a childhood brain injury, it's been my life's mission to help you have your very best brain so you can win more every single day. Now, want more quick brain? Here are four ways to fast track your results and lock in what you just learned into your long-term memory. Remember fast, F-A-S-T. The F stands for Facebook. You're not alone on this journey. I invite you to join our free private online group. There you can connect with me, your fellow brain lovers, links to resources, and even submit your questions for me to answer in future episodes. Go to quickbrain.com. That's K-W-I-K brain.com. The A stands for apply. Act on what you learned today. Remember, knowledge is not power, it's potential power. It only becomes power when you use it. So use what you just learned. The S stands for subscribe. Don't miss the next episode and other free brain training. And finally, the T stands for teach. You want to learn faster now? The key is to lock it in right away by teaching it to someone else. When you teach something, you get to learn it twice. Here's a simple way to do that. Leave a review on iTunes. Leave a review with your biggest takeaway from this episode. You could also post and share this podcast on your social media. It helps us spread our mission of building better, brighter brains. And of course, tag us so our team can properly thank you. Hashtag quick brain, K-W-I-K brain. Mine is at Jim Quick, K-W-I-K, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. So what does FAST stand for? 
Facebook, apply, subscribe, teach. I'll see you in our next episode of Quick Brain. Until then, remember, you are faster and smarter than you think. I hope you're enjoying this episode. And if you want to go deeper with many of these authors that we have on our podcast, these experts, I want to invite you to join our Quick Success program. This is our monthly lives that I do, where I teach something brand new that we haven't taught before, answer your burning questions. And also we have something that people have been requesting for many years, a Quick Book Club. This is your Limitless Book Club, where every single month we read a book together, uh, like a book provided by this author. And then we get the author to come online and join us for one hour, uh, share going deeper in these strategies, how to put them into practice. Uh, I share my five tips for how to memorize things out of these books. Many people want to read a book a month or build up to that. And this would be the program. So if you want to join, just go to quicksuccess.com and get your spot and join us live and get to meet these authors very uh, up close and personal. And uh, back to the episode.